and physicians, we're not good at doing this for ourselves. You have to give yourself some grace, right? Like you're being hard on yourself. You're a good person. You're working hard. You deserve the best. Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and I'm so excited to bring to you my guest today, Dr. Bradley Block. Dr. Block is an otolaryngologist on Long Island, New York, where he lives with his wife and three young sons. He's a partner at ENT and Allergy Associates, and he created the Physician's Guide to Doctoring podcast. It's an engaging podcast where he interviews physician and non-physician experts, to help teach us what we should have been learning while we were busy memorizing the Krebs cycle. And I highly recommend the podcast. Dr. Bradley Block, welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. It's great to be here. You know, I'm a fan of your podcast as well. So I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. Me too. I'm so excited to talk with you. I want to hear about the story behind the podcast. I want to hear about you, about what led you into podcasting and the backstory really behind the physician's guide to doctoring. So I was a rabid consumer of podcasts because when I first finished residency, I moved into Manhattan, but my practice was on Long Island. So I had a big commute and having just finished residency where every minute was precious, all this time sitting in the car, listening to music was like wasted. I have to be doing something productive. So I was consuming audiobooks, podcasts. And what I discovered is when I was seeing patients, some of my partners were able to see quite a few more patients per day than I was, where I would run behind seeing three patients an hour. They were able to see five. So I got curious about what communication skills I could acquire to improve my efficiency. It wouldn't just help me like blow through the visit faster, but so the patient also gets good care, right? I don't want to just give them the perception of good care. I want to give them good care. So I need to make my communication more efficient. So there's got to be a podcast out there. So I didn't even know it was called social engineering, communication. Look that stuff up. You didn't find anything. But what I did find was communications for executives, communications for dating, communications for lawyers, marketing, sales nothing for physicians, right? The only thing that I remember was during my clinical skills when I was a medical student, sit down and talk to your patient and it'll feel for them like the visit has been longer than if you were standing the whole time. That was it. But there has to be more out there. And as an example, actually, the episode that I put out a week or two ago, I mean, I know that we're recording this in the future, but was with a professional interrogator. And he teaches business communication and sales communication based on his experience with being an interrogator, where it's really important to acquire and keep trust. So we spun that into physicians. So there's all this information out there in non-physician communicators that we could really apply. But I can't just call people up and say, I've got some questions for you. But if I had a platform like podcasting, then I can call people up. And a great example of this was a couple of weeks or months into my podcast journey, there was an article in the Huffington Post, and there are always these articles about how doctors don't know how to talk to patients about their weight, right? We're terrible at it. We make them feel badly about themselves and alienate them. And it's really traumatizing for them. 
and worse than when someone in the street just says something horrible to them because we're an authority figure. So even if we're trying to do what's in their best interest, there's a way to go about it. And then there's every other way. So what I did is I saw this article and I called up one of the psychologists who was quoted. And I said, if we're doing it so wrong, can you teach us how to do it correctly? Can you teach us how to do it well? She said, I love podcasts. I'd love to be on it. Here I was, nobody, no audience, a few episodes with my friends, which by the way, as it turns out, as physicians, a lot of our friends are experts in their field. Like it didn't take me long to get some experts on my podcast because like my brother has a PhD in health policy and is now a professor at New York Medical College and worked on the Affordable Care Act. So, you know, him. And then my friends who I went to medical school with are now like program directors and things like that. So it wasn't hard to find experts, you know, so I developed a show and then I started reaching out to strangers, right? But now I had an established show with episodes and I can start reaching out to people. And it was a great example of that this information is out there. How do I get it for myself and then put it in a medium that other people could benefit from as well? Well, I relate to your story on multiple levels for sure, because I was listening to podcasts for years as well. And whenever I would switch over to try to find something about physicians, everything was just very clinical and dry. And I couldn't find the actual real life kind of discussions, which I think your podcast addresses, which is why I like it so much. Thank you. And what we try to do on Doc Working as well. And similarly, I had thought, you know, multiple times, like, wow, if you had your own podcast, you could talk to people about just about anything. You can bring people on and ask them questions and learn so much. So it is a really fun opportunity. And so now you're a practicing ENT surgeon, right? Yes. So, yes. so now are you practicing full-time and podcasting on the side? How do you balance the two? Yeah. So as I've heard on your podcast, it's not balance. Integration, very, very easy, right? Integration, yes. <laughs> right? So I had to integrate it. And at different points in my life, it has integrated differently. For instance, at one point I was taking every other Thursday afternoon off. And that was the time that I had. But at the time I was also working evenings. Now I'm not seeing patients in the evening. So then my evenings, I get home from work, put the kids to bed. And then once the kids are in bed, it's my time to podcast. So it's just my evenings. And how many podcasts are you producing a week? One episode a week. Okay. Okay. Just, great. Just one episode a week. And at this point, I've been doing it for over three years. I have about almost 150 episodes. So first of all, I'm curious about you. And I feel like I've got a sense from what you've said so far about what led you into podcasting. And I'm also curious about the process of podcasting itself and what that has been like for you and whether that was, first of all, as you expected it to be. And, you know, now that you've been doing it for three years, I mean, that puts you in the very seasoned among podcasters, especially physician podcasters. I'm very curious to hear what you've learned over that time and how it may be the same or different from what you expected. So when I first started, the thing that really kept me from starting was the editing process, which I still haven't done and never will do. Mm -hmm. That I'm a firm believer in outsourcing. One of my wife's best friends is a professional voiceover artist. So she offered to do it. And I was going to be doing the episodes just every other week. And then I ended up enjoying it so much and getting so many opportunities for interviews that I just did it every week. And it ultimately became too much to ask. So then I found a place to outsource to, which was a bare bones 
place. So if you're interested in starting podcasting, there are plenty of bare bones places that'll throw your interview through some type of an algorithm to get rid of a lot of the ums and splice the audio together to include your intro and your outro and whatever. And for not that much money. And as a physician, I would definitely recommend doing that if you're considering it because your time physicianing is much more valuable than your time editing. So, you know, if it means seeing two more patients, do that instead of editing podcasts. So when I got started, what really got me over that initial hump was that I had someone to do it for me. And so I didn't have to learn how to do it or anything. And then I don't really recall what my expectations were going in other than that it would be an opportunity for me to get in touch with people that I wouldn't otherwise have access to. I will say though, I have expected my podcast to be more popular than it is. I appreciate you saying that it's popular, but you know, it just, I look at the number of downloads and it is discouraging and it shouldn't be right. It should be about enjoying the process, not the outcome, but I'm a human being and not getting the downloads. Although my podcast has been cited on a couple of like review lists as physician podcasts to listen to, which I really appreciate and should be enough. But still, it is a little disappointing when you don't see your numbers increasing. You know, at the beginning, they were increasing. You know, they plateaued now, which is discouraging. So that was something that was unexpected. You know, we're physicians. We're used to being, aside from in medicals, you know, we're used to being at the top and the best. And it's, you know, I'm just another podcaster. What makes me different from other podcasters is I've just been doing it longer than, uh, I guess, the Yiddish would be the Alta Cocker podcaster, the senior podcaster. So that, yeah, that was unexpected. I guess also the networking. I'm part of this community. A lot of us know each other. Like I know who a lot of them are and we've had each other on our shows and I'm not going to any meetings yet, but at some point when we do start going to more meetings, I'm sure there are going to be opportunities to actually meet a lot of these people in real life and have a drink and go out to dinner and hang out. And it's like, we're friends. It's this other tribe that I'm a part of, which is great. Yeah, that is a great part of it. That's something that I didn't think of until we were in it. And then I was surprised at how small of a tribe it is, actually. So that is a really cool part of it. Yeah. Similarly with physician coaches, which I'm not one, but I kind of get the benefits of being associated with them. So I've met some really amazing people because of that. And same thing for doc working. And so I do relate to what you mean. And I think that within the circles of physicians who listen to podcasts, I think that your podcast is definitely up there. And it is interesting, you know, when you start podcasting and looking at numbers and looking at, you know, what it takes to be among the top podcasts, the numbers are not that high, I suppose, relative to what you might expect. Yeah. So it's kind of a fascinating, or I don't know, I find it fascinating. It's an interesting pastime and a, a great way to learn new things and meet interesting people. Yeah. You can and have then, any question answered, right? Like, I mean, especially with my podcast is ultimately anything that applies to physicians and you can spin almost anything to apply to physicians. So like, if I want to be one of the, mm, there are 800,000 practicing physicians, something like that. If I want to be one of the 400,000 physicians who are in real estate investing, because it seems like everybody's in real estate, you know, I can have someone on my show and just ask them because there are a lot of physicians interested in that. So now I get to just ask questions tailored to me about real estate investing. And now for a quick message from our sponsor, Empath IQ. 
Did you know that there's an association between positive feedback from patients and job satisfaction among physicians? And did you know that you could get that positive feedback on a daily basis from your patients and build your positive reviews online? Empath IQ is a service that allows you to do just that by making it quick and easy for your patients to leave you a review at the end of the day. And by doing that, you're far more likely to build up a big stash of positive reviews and you'll be able to feel great about the work you did that day. Let Empath IQ show you how to get more reviews, tie them to your personal Google My Business page and respond to reviews with confidence. Visit empathiq.io, that's E-M-P-A-T-H-I-Q dot I-O, or call 858-375-5686. Mention that you're a doc working fan and get two months free. And so speaking of bringing people on, can you think of a favorite, for example, or something that really struck you that you maybe often think of or someone that you invited on that maybe was someone that you were especially excited to speak? My with? whale. Yeah, my whale was BJ Fogg. He's a behavioral scientist is what he calls himself out of Stanford. And he wrote this book called Tiny Habits. And a lot of his research has been quoted in other habit books. Duhigg and Clear are two authors, James Clear, that wrote books on habits and, and used a lot of his research. And then ultimately he wrote his own book on habits called Tiny Habits. And the reason I wanted is because we have all this advice for patients, right? Move more, eat less, eat more vegetables, whatever. But how do you execute that? How do you give them the tools to actually make it happen? So he's got this formula for making it happen. But he normally does podcasts that are like hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. And I emailed him and he emailed me back saying, physicians are an audience that I think need to hear my story, my research, my findings. I'd love to. And there he was. And he was on my show. We divided into two episodes because he was on for like an hour and a half answering all of my questions. It was one of my better received episodes and it was great. Yeah. Ken, has it changed your habits? Interestingly, no. <laughs> no. Not yet. <laughs> no. But when I do talk to my patients about things, it's helped me frame it in a way that I think is more useful, that gives them a more useful way to think about it. And just to give a brief summary, you know, when I'm talking to people about those things, moving more, eating better. I tell them you have to do it in a way that you want to do it, right? It can't be in a prescriptive way. Like you have to do it a certain amount. It has to be exercise. It has to be in the gym. Like if you want to do more physical activity, you have to think what physical activity do I enjoy doing? Am I going to look forward to? Am I going to want to do? Then you make that into a habit, right? You find a way to work that into your day. But if it's not something that you're going to look forward to, it's not going to happen because willpower is finite. And it's the same thing with eating. You got to think of like, what do I actually enjoy eating that I can eat a lot of? Great. Now find some time to prep that once a week so that it's easily accessible and you're more likely to eat those things. But if it's about denying yourself and forcing yourself, it's not going to work. The other thing that I do that I've learned from podcasting, and I don't know if it was from a specific person, was whenever I have someone in that situation, I always tell them, and physicians, we're not good at doing this for ourselves is 
you have to give yourself some grace, right? Like you're being hard on yourself. Like you're a good person. You're working hard. You deserve the best. Like, you know, just, I think we could say that more to our patients and it wouldn't be hurtful to them because they need to work harder at these things to, no, no. They need to hear that from us sometimes that they're working hard. They deserve good things. And, you know, so sorry, that's a bit of a tangent. But some of those visits end up being my, even though it's peripherally related to otolaryngology, those visits often become my favorite visits, the ones that I, you know, take home with me. Yeah, it sounds like you incorporate some coaching into your patient visits. I guess it's coaching, but I think it's good patient care. Absolutely. I think it makes a huge difference. And I think physicians as human beings need to hear it as well. And so I'm curious too, with your podcast, are there certain overarching topics that you're really interested in, or are there areas that you're looking forward to moving into in the near future? Excellent question. So there are two different paths that I'm working on right now, because I eventually want to put together a talk or a webinar or something about the perfect outpatient visit. And so I'd like to take little highlights from a lot of my different episodes and incorporate them into from stem to stern, from making the appointment to leaving the office and all of the things that happen to the patient in between, and especially in the exam room, what would the ideal visit look like? If the patient does this, you say that. When you're examining the patient, make sure you do this. When you introduce yourself to the patient, make sure you do this. At the end of the visit, make sure you do this. If the patient complains of something, like there are all these little things that I think I could incorporate into a talk to create the perfect outpatient visit. And I haven't done it yet, but that's my big plan for putting together a lot of the stuff that I've learned. So that's the soft skills. So that's what I like to focus on a lot with my episode is just the soft skills in the exam room. That all sounds very interesting. First of all, I think your idea about the ideal visit from start to finish would be fantastic as a book as well. If I was a resident, I would love to have seen that or a medical student really as well. But I think all of the insights that you'll have will be valuable to someone at any point in their career, because essentially it's like research that you've done by talking with all of these experts over the past three years. So that's a cool idea. And I'm just curious in case some of our audience is interested in possibly starting their own podcast. So has your experience been that it's really just for your own edification and you're completely satisfied with that? And the reason I ask is because one thing that I'm really interested in talking about is financial independence. And I know you've had a lot of guests related to topics on you know, financial independence and physicians getting into a good position of stability to give them more choices. So with that in mind, you know, you commonly hear people talking about creating multiple streams of income and, you know, starting a side gig. And I'm curious whether podcasting is a good side gig. No, not at all. It is a terrible side gig. There is no money to be made in podcasting. I am Shocking completely, fact. yeah, I'm completely <laughs> in the red for podcasting. My time is much better spent stopping nosebleeds, removing earwax, and taking out tonsils. And as physicians, your time is probably best spent physicianing, not doing anything else because you trained for a very long time in order to command a significant income doing that thing. But in terms of multiple streams of income as a hedge against the future, that means that that needs to be a significant income. 
And podcasting is not. It is not. I have some advertisers on my show from you know the Dr. Podcast Network that's actually no longer doing what it once was in terms of advertising. And you know, maybe I'm gonna be joining up with another podcaster soon to do something similar to that, but it's more for the podcasting to pay for itself than to actually make income off of it. For me, it's made me a better doctor and it's made me a better person. So in terms of driving income, I am popular in my area as a physician. And I think part of that is because of the skills that I've learned from podcasting and then incorporated into my practice. Now, for everyone else, you could just listen to my episodes and not have to do it yourself, which will be a lot easier. But that's the way that it's helped me. It's helped me to be a better doctor. And I think my patients in the area have recognized that. You know, I don't want to sound arrogant with this, but yeah, I think yeah, it's made me more of someone that they would want to see and send their friends and family to. So it's had these other benefits that do lead to more income, but the podcasting itself. I mean, maybe this webinar, or maybe I will write that book. Who knows if I'll even get to it? But you know, the podcasting needs to be it. You need to be podcasting because you enjoy podcasting, or you know, in a situation like yours where it's not the podcast itself, but it's related to the whole doc working brand. Yeah, in our case, I think we really are trying to give people something that they can use and walk away from and understand who we are. And that's really what we're doing. And also (laughs) just enjoy talking with these amazing people. So it's just fun, you know, but I agree with you. It's not something that you can, at least as far as I can tell, it's not something that is a profitable venture. If you can get it to pay for itself, then I would consider that a victory. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not going to be a reasonable stream of income for a very long time, if ever. Right, right. And what do you do outside of that? You, Bradley Block, as the the person. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a dad and I'm guessing, you know, between full-time work as an ENT physician and being a dad and being a podcaster, there probably isn't any time left. No. Or other things. Podcasting (laughs) is your hobby. Yeah, that's my thing. The podcasting is my thing. Yeah. So I have three boys range from two, just turning two to five and a half and with one in the middle there. And, you know, my wife gets the kids in the middle of the night. So I get the kids in the morning. So I generally wake up at six in the morning when the first one wakes up. And then that gets my wife a little bit of extra sleep. She gets up at 730, takes over. I leave for work, go to work, see patients, come home. By that time, the kids have been fed, but then I do the rest of the bedtime routine. I generally then again, relieve my wife, put the kids to bed. And then after bed is when I, you know, whatever CME responsibilities, maybe podcasting, or maybe I get to spend some time with my wife. So very important. Yeah. So if I've taken care of all my responsibilities, then I get to hang out with my wife if I've really earned it. Although one thing with the podcast that she's very good at is she helps me come up with questions. You know, I'll generally listen to other podcasts or read some things about the person I'm going to be interviewing, but often she, so it's a, it's another way for us to spend quality time actually is, is coming up with questions for the podcast. Terrific. And does she have any interest in podcasting herself? No, she's a big Instagrammer. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. who is she on Instagram? I don't know if she's going to want me saying this, but she's got three different Instagram things. One of them is block farm and table because our last name is block. 
and she has a garden that she Instagrams about, and she bakes sourdough bread that she Instagrams about. And then the other one is the real kids menu, because we serve our kids sometimes, you know, chicken fingers and French fries, but often we feed them real food that should be, there shouldn't be a kid's menu. There should just be the menu. And that's why the real kid's menu is often a lot of good food. Oh, I love that. uh, Yeah. Great idea. Always for the boys. Really see the need for that for sure. I felt the same way when my kids were little. Mine are older now. They're young adults. So making food themselves at this point. Yes. They're cooking for us for a number of years now. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. You would ask me about my hobbies and I never actually said anything about what I do in my spare time. I'm hoping to get back to surfing soon. I just bought a stand-up paddleboard that when we go to the beach, I put one boy out on the front and we'll paddle around in the bay. We live on Long Island, so we go to the North Shore where it's flat on the sound and they'll hang out on the beach and I'll take one at a time and paddle around. And I eventually want to take that paddleboard to the South Shore where there are waves and get into paddle surfing, which I've done a couple of times. So that's my big goal. And then I just, yeah, I exercise. That's And if you want to follow me on Peloton, I'm the ENT that rides, which is a Game of Thrones reference for the mountain that rides. Fantastic. Well, it's so much fun to talk with you. And I'm definitely excited about digging in further on your podcast and seeing what you've got coming up in the future. So hopefully our listeners will check it out. And we appreciate you telling us about it and telling us about yourself. If I can just plug it really quick, it's the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. So you can find it on all podcasting platforms or just go to physiciansguidetodoctoring.com and you'll have links to a bunch of platforms there. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I love your show. I love what you're doing with the physician coaching and thank you for doing it because you know mentorship used to be a really integral part of being a physician. Like the apprenticeship didn't stop when you became an attending. You still had mentors. And I think that's not happening so much. And so we need coaches to help us out and give us direction, help us find our way. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you further about that. And I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast, Dr. Bradley Block, ENT surgeon, (laughs) podcaster of the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Please check it out. Thanks for coming on Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. Hi, this is Amanda Taren. I'm the producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. And thank you for listening.